the wrestling arena of AMSA described how all the, the um, members of the audience, they all saw Krishna differently depending on their relationship with him. So was that seeing him differently? Was that just an emotional thing or did they actually physically see him differently? I, I, I just, you know, I remember when I was in my 50s, my mother telling me, I don't want to be your friend, you'll always be my little girl. And I know she wasn't seeing me physically like a little girl, but it was just an emotional thing. But um, I guess I always thought that when they were seeing Krishna in um, Kamsa's arena, that um, depending on their relationship, they were physically seeing him according to their relationship. But maybe it was just emotional differences. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I made myself that question many times also. No? Because it has to do a lot with this idea of objectivity and subjectivity also. No? Like, like there is some objective Krishna, if you will, and we are projecting our subjective emotional uh, makeup on him and seeing him like this, like that, but actually he is something else, someone else beyond our emotional uh, projection if you will so in order to answer such a question because you mentioned is, is, it, is, is it that they are I mean is it that this is just an emotional thing of course when, when we when the Bhagavatam describes in this famous verse that is a verse that it's a famous verse that that serves to to establish Krishna as as what Sila Rupa Goswami will call Akila Rasamrita Murti. No, he starts his uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu for very first verse, invoking this this term. No, Krishna is Akila Rasamrita Murti, which we may translate as the uh, emporium. How do you say in English? Uh, emporium. Emporium. Well, reservoir, if you will, but emporium some sounds more poetic. Of rasa, no, of rasa. We, we, the idea is every single rasa finds its resting place in him, and, and not precisely to rest, but to start dancing, if you will. So this famous verse shows how different people. Uh, I'm, I'm giving a little bit of of context to the shloka. Different people. Uh, experience different type of emotional ranges all of them are related to Krishna the five main rasas and the seven secondary rasas are mentioned there twelve different types of people with twelve different emotional dispositions so that's one famous verse where, where it is shown how uh, we can Krishna can be approached from so many different emotional dispositions and also there is a second verse we won't go now into the, in detail into that direction regarding how Krishna himself is tasting all these twelve rasas simultaneously and also that serves to establish him further as Akila Rasamritamurti and this is one verse from the Govardhan Lila when Krishna is uh, lifting the hill and at one point it is described how he's having the darshan of so many people simultaneously and experiencing different types of rasas no? while looking at the gopis Jasoda is there, his friends are there and even he's feeling different types of sensations experiences um, I don't know, for example the Bhagavatam say the yogurt, no, he was already like almost a week there so the, there was some yogurt but due to many days having passed yogurt started like to how do, how do you say in English? Yeah, when it, it's yeah, it's it's beyond itself. You can no longer take it. <laughs> no, so he he experienced bivatsa, which means like disgust. So different examples of, of 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 situations there that make Krishna at the very same time experience the twelve rasas, main five, seven, second, seven secondary, all at the same time. 
So he is a killer Rasamrita Murti in these two senses. No? He himself experiences all the Rasas at the same time, and at the same time, other people experience in relation to him all the Rasas at the same time. Of course, each case a different Rasa. No? So, so the verse we are mentioning is a famous quote where Krishna is entering the arena to, to meet Kamsa, and different people in the audience. No, are having, uh, as you mentioned, different... Uh, they were projecting a different image of Krishna, as you mentioned, different form according to their emotional disposition. So the question is, uh, actually Krishna was changing uh, his form. He had different forms simultaneously. There was only one form, and just subjective projections from the audience. It was just an emotional affair. Hmm? <laughs> so, of course, in that audience we find different types of emotional disposition. Not all of them there are, are Sudabhaktas. Not, not all of them are Brajavasis, pure devotees. No? You know, there are people like Kamsa in the audience and some others who have some particular emotional disposition. Kamsa is the personification of, of fear. No? So he, he was following very strictly the topmost teaching of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, man mana, no? always think of me. Krishna Kamsa was very faithfully following the instruction, <laughs> but not not with a favorable spirit. No? He was not anukul, he was not favorable. So he was 24 hours, 25 hours a day thinking about Krishna, absorbed more than all of us together, but with fear. And wanting to kill him because he was feeling he will kill me. So it was not anukul, anukul bhajan. For it was pratikul, unfavorable absorption in Krishna consciousness. <laughs> so my point is, if, if we are speaking about, for example, some of the Brajavasis who were there, the audience who went with Krishna until that situation, uh, their emotional disposition is not, it's not just an emotional subjective projection and they see Krishna according to that. Actually, Krishna is a byproduct of the emotional projection of the Brajavasis. What do you think about that idea? <laughs> Krishna is a byproduct of the emotional projection or emotional disposition of the Brajavasis. I mean, without that, there is no Krishna. As Guru Maharaj always explains, if you take Swarup Shakti, to the Absolute, it only becomes Brahman. It becomes devoid of form, actually. What to speak of a particular form, a particular taste, flavor, attributes, no form. If there is no Bhakti, there is no corresponding form in, in, in the Absolute. <laughs> so when we speak about the form of Krishna and how each one was seeing a particular form, we are entering into a particular different realm where actually speaking Krishna's form is a byproduct of the type of affection he is receiving so that's not just a mental subjective projection but if we, be, if we are objective Krishna is something else I mean we cannot separate Krishna no, as an objective object <laughs> Vishaya we cannot separate separate him from no, from the subjective not even love of Jashoda. I mean, you cannot do that experiment. <laughs> if you try to do that, no, you are left without Krishna, without Jashoda, without anything. You become lost in the limbo of Brahman or whatever. So, uh, of course, in other cases, no, again, I was speaking about the, the example of people who had real pure bhakti. So in those cases, Krishna will no, respond, reciprocate to that feeling and he will appear in a particular form. He will be, become totally uh, carved, if you will. No? Carved, you say? No? So we could say the form of Krishna is carved. Well, the Absolute uh, uh, makes himself carved by the affection of the devotee. By Kunta, by Kunta Bhakti, we create a particular carving called Narayan. No? <laughs> in Ayodhya, the Absolute will be carved according to Hanuman's bhakti in the form of Sri Ram. It's a particular type of carving that bhakti is, is making. No? 
But if we speak about someone who has no bhakti, like Kamsa, or some other people who was at the audience seeing Krishna with some eyes, we, we won't say that's... Uh, no? Krishna is being carved by the... No, because there is no... This has no power. I mean, that emotional disposition, fear toward Krishna, hate towards Krishna, that emotional disposition has not the power to, to make the Absolute appear in a particular form that will be a byproduct of that. So in those cases we will say that's their own, uh, if you will, mental prejudice, projection. As Krishna himself speaks in the... In the Bhagavad Gita, no? he says, many people, Parambhavan and Janantomama Bhuta Maheshwaram, I am the Supreme Lord, the all controller, but some people see me as an ordinary human being. So, uh, I mean, that's a, their subjective mental conditional condition pr- projection. So, I'm not a byproduct of that. Hmm? But their idea about me is a byproduct of their own conditioning. But in the case of my pure devotee, oh yeah, I'm a byproduct of what's going from there, from them to me. Also, we have like to make the difference between which in the audience, no? Does the question apply to, no? Relate to, because they're not all members from, from the Sudha Bhakti camp, if you will, no? <laughs> so. That's that's the difference. No, Krishna was seeing uh, Kamsa. Sorry, was seeing Krishna's death personified. No? So that's not a very charming darshan, no? <laughs> if you will, compared to compared to what to what some intimate devotees were seeing. So the the whole thing that makes the difference is, of course, the lens through which they are looking at him. So as Brahma Samhita say, "Premanchana churita bhakti vilavachanena." No? If you are Painting, decorating your eyes with the salve of pure love, oh, you will really see Shama Sundaram. If not, you will see something else that is in your own mind, just projecting outside, projecting even to Krishna. Imagine, no? we, we have such a big capacity to, to engage in prejudice that we can also make Krishna part of that. If, in one sense, no? I mean, to make the extraordinary ordinary according to our conditioned vision. He is, he, Krishna himself is saying that. I mean, not every person that was seeing him when he came 5,000 years ago was having the darshan of Krishna as we uh, expect to have it someday. So, there are t- different types of darshan. No? Once, one person asked Srila uh, Bhakti Rakshaksya Dev Goswami Maharaj, he asked, have you seen Krishna? <laughs> Classical question. So, Ansila Siamaraj say, the Krishna that I want to see is not cheap, he said. <laughs> like, like implying there are Krishnas and Krishnas. <laughs> maybe, maybe some people may say, I have seen Krishna. I, maybe I may say, okay, but that's not the one I want to see. <laughs> no? So I, I keep waiting for the r- real darshan. <laughs> in, in some way or another, no? Kamsa was seeing Krishna, but in which sense? No? Which which lens with, was there? No? So the point would be there, would be that, no? I mean, as as, as Gautam Bhagavatam described, Krishna is the Brajavasis are arriving to Kurukshetra, no? In the solar eclipse, this famous chapter, very touching. And when Jashoda sees Krishna, remember Krishna at that time had like 100 years basically <laughs> so I cannot wonder how many years had Jasod at that time <laughs> because she was not precisely, precisely a girl when she was having Krishna so well, the point is that she saw Krishna immediately torrents of milk started to pour from her breasts and Krishna was running and jumping into her lap and started to drink from her breasts so he immediately no, enter into that no, disposition. We could say he adopted that form because no, just so does Bhakti. No, I mean, Krishna is, as, as, as the scriptures say, Krishna is a slave to Bhakti. I mean, he has but to obey. Wherever Bhakti goes, she goes there. However, Bhakti wants him to dance, he will dance. So, that, that's the idea. That's said in, in the daily Vrindavan dynamics. It's like that. No? The, the Brajavasis say to Krishna, 
okay, dance a little bit and I, we will give you some candy. No? And Krishna starts to dance. No, now dance like this. Now the, so, strictly speaking, Krishna is dancing no? according to the bhakti of their devotees. No? They are moving him like a, like a dog. No? The absolute is just a play thing in the hands of bhakti. <laughs> so, that's the, the Krishna we worship. No? Because there are so many conceptions of Krishna. No? So, that's the Krishna we worship. The one who inclines himself, no? puts his head to the ground to offer no? pranam to bhakti. So yes, until that point we can say Krishna's form is the result of, of the impact of a particular type of bhakti in him. And that makes his, what we may call his spiritual body, his transcendental body. So in, in that level, subjectivity has a very important role. I mean, we cannot separate, as, as maybe the, the, the scientific mind may like, we should be purely ob- objective no subjectivity. I mean, subjectivity is a defect in this plane because we're generally partial because of material conditioning. But when we reach a subjectivity that expresses itself in the context of pure objectivity, that's another thing. And that's the subjectivity we find in the higher realm. There's objectivity, no? Their minds, their, their senses are fully under control. And in that context, they express a particular subjective emotion towards Krishna. So that's really, no? that's to be taken really seriously. It's, that's not the same subjectivity from this plane. No? So it's because of that that Krishna Dasakavira said, uh, each devotee will feel in, in the spiritual world, my relation to Krishna is the best. And everyone is right. You cannot be purely objective and just say, this is the best. No. Because subjectivity there has a very, a very crucial place, a very essential place. If you take away that subjectivity, I mean, what's left? So, Krishna responds to that subjectivity, to, the, to that individual flavor, and adapts particular forms. Strictly speaking, this is said by Sanatana Goswami. In his Brihad Bhagavatamrita, he explains one verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yabai um, Sriya Chitta, no, which is the verse? Yabai Sriya Chitta no, that's not the verse. Um, well, I cannot recall the verse now. But basically, what he says in the, in the, in the purport, in his explanation to the verse he mentions, basically that, I mean, Without the love of his devotees, he says, Krishna will cease to exist, he says. <laughs> of course, no, that won't happen. <laughs> but if we have to no, be happy, that won't happen. <laughs> but hypothetically speaking, no, hypothetically speaking, he says, if there will be, if that love will cease to exist, I mean, Krishna's form will disappear because he implied his form is a byproduct, is, is, is his answer to that type of devotion. No? That's expressed over and over again. It is said that Krishna's beauty increases at every moment no? because the bhakti of his devotees increases at every moment. So as the devotion increases, that impacts on his form, his form becomes more, becomes more beautiful. So that inspires his devotees to try to render service more to his beautiful form. So Krishna's beautiful form increases with the bhakti of the devotees, and the bhakti of the devotees increases with the beauty of Krishna's form. And the two of them enter into a, a competition where none of both parties accept defeat. No? They are, they are continuing, trying to defeat one another. Ad infinitum. <laughs> so, so that's a very important point in our Gaudiya theology. God's body is a consequence of love. <laughs> it's made of love, basically. <laughs> so, I don't know if that helps a little bit. What else? Something else?
Yes. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Uh, hi, Krishna. Um, Swami. Jai. Hare Krishna. Um, I was reading in the Satsandarvas, uh, and this is, I think, the commentary by Satya Narayan, and um, it's just the beginning part of the Satsandarvas. And, I mean, I'm not really sure what my question is because there's kind of a lot of questions to this, but um, I'm just going to read the paragraphs and then kind of ask you something. Okay. Um, we are advised not to employ empirical logic to comprehend the beginningless bondage of the jiva. Rather, through open receptivity to the verdict of Shastra, accompanied by profound contemplation on the truth therein disclosed, there arises immediate intuitive insight of this enigma. This is the way of the self-disclosure of Shastric truth, and it is therefore the means to resolve this real of beginningless bondage. To not avail of this trans-empirical mode of knowledge, knowing, is to risk failure in completing life's essential purpose. Bhagavad Gita confirms, one who rejects Shastra, neither completion nor contentment, nor the supreme destination. So I understand that, um, you know, we need Shastra and a guru to help us understand the Shastra as a means, but of understanding anything. But um, this one, he's exclusively talking about the beginningless bondage of the jiva, and it's almost like he's saying, so you'll be able to understand that. And it seems like it's like you can't really ever understand it. And also, um, so I'm going to ask you something. Oh, but then it seems like also, I mean, I know it, that uh, the jiva is um, either covered by maya or when, when we transcend maya, we are covered by yoga maya. And the only time that you're not, maybe, or maybe you are covered by yoga maya, but at the same time, like when... Um, when the gopis and the go and the cowboys they come to the material world, well, they are full of knowledge. Um, they have all knowledge. That's what Swami said. They're deep in knowledge, whereas in the spiritual world, they're just cowards, so they don't really need the knowledge, and they're just happy, loving Krishna. That's all they care about. And uh, so, when when one comes to this material world, it's the only time it seems where well, there's they're they're still covered, I guess, by yoga maya. But so when is? I mean, it seems like everyone's always covered all the time. So how could you ever? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you. If I can even understand my question. But I guess I was just confused. Like, so what does it mean? We'll understand I, that we're. I think you. How can we understand that there's no beginning? <laughs> think you gave yourself the. The answer to your question at the end, just now. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there are, there are many things to to be said. There are many questions, many points, interesting ones, of course. So let's try to <clears throat> to approach some of them. And please, you tell me if I'm forgetting something. So first of all. Uh, well, yes, I don't know who is the one saying that, if Saturnayandas Babaji or it's a translation from Jiva Goswami, it doesn't matter. It's, the point is clear, specifically speaking about uh, Anadi Karma and how the very idea of the very word Anadi hmm, uh, it doesn't fit, as Guru Maharaj said, between the years. No? In other words, the empiric. Uh, methodology is not enough. By empiricism, of course, we have to understand what does what does it mean to to, to approach empiric an empiric method. Basically, empiricism is the theory that <clears throat> all knowledge will be derived from sense experience. Mm-hmm. So that's what we call in Sanskrit pratyaksha. Mm-hmm. We have these three. Also, Jiva Goswami speaks about that in his Sattva Sandarva, presenting when he's, he's trying to search for the perfect praman or the perfect evidence 
uh, the perfect method for obtaining transcendental experience in this case. And he speaks about Pratyaksha, Anuman, and finally he establishes the, if you will, the truth about Shabda, or revealed knowledge. And this is present all along the scriptures, this idea where try, I mean, it's not that we are being inspired to become sentimental or to become like brain dead people, but we have to know the limits and the, of empiricism, basically. No? So Mahabharata says something similar, says Tarko Pratishtanat. No? By the logical method, the, the, logic, the mundane logic, Apratishtana. Pratishta means position, Apratishta means no position at all. No? So you will, you will end up somewhere who knows where. No? Through the exclusive method of trying to catch everything by logic. So after that says Dharmasya Tattvam Nihitam Guhayam Mahajano Jena Gata Safanta. The real way to discover the truth about Dharma, that truth is hidden in the hearts of the Mahajans. So you should follow whatever path they have established. So uh, it, it seems a little bit like of a non-thinking process, just do whatever these guys are doing, <laughs> something like this. But actually, for doing that properly, you have to think a lot, and for doing that in a voluntary way, in an intelligent way, I mean, doubts are, are allowed, as you know. Guru receives them very happy, if they are humble and if they are sincere. But also it's important to understand that there are some topics that won't be, we won't be able to fully grasp them uh, with our empiric capacity. Strictly speaking, even those things that we think we are able to, to deal with in, in, in an empiric way, even those things are also beyond our empirical range, but we may think otherwise. No? So that's the difference. No? We may think, okay, uh, I don't know, I, I, I understand this and that thing, being a scientific in this world, I, I, I went through this control experiment and reached some particular conclusion. And on some level I think, I, I, I don't need revelation for understanding that. But even that thing that I think that I think I understood that may show in a particular way and make your head spin like the four heads of Brahma in the Brahma Vimohan Lila. Brahma, Brahma himself was the topmost scientist of the whole universe and, and, and all all his head was just spinning because a particular combination of personality started to show and appear in a way that he never thought like that before. No? He thought it was just a calf, and eventually appeared Narayan from there. No, so oh, what's this? No? So we, today we're speaking something also with with the devotees in this regard. No, we speak about this world even. What to speak about the concept of Nadi? This world that is an Nadi <laughs> in one sense. The, the cycles, creation cycles, has no beginning, have no beginning. But even this world, we may say, this world is, is, is uh, composed of inert matter. But actually, when we say inert, inert may feel something which has no life, or something that seems to have no life. So, we may say, in every atom, maybe there is no, not a jibatma, not a localized soul, but the scriptures say the form of Vishnu called Siddha Dakasai Vishnu penetrates even the atom. So strictly speaking, there is an embassy of Krishna in every atom, even in what we may call so-called matter. So if that Siddhodakasai Vishnu present in every atom, also present in our heart, wants to show himself in a particular way, one single atom will blow your mind completely. No? And you will realize, oh, my empirical method is still not enough. <laughs> so, so that's a point, that's a conclusion we have to reach. But for that, Shastra and, 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 and sages recommend try to use your full range, your full capacity, intellectual capacity, so you can realize how limited is that capacity. No? Only then you will be able to say with realization, this is not enough. <laughs> Only those people who really have used their head, your head to soften the heart, as Guru Mahal said, they have the right to, to speak in, those, in these terms. <laughs> 
If not, if we are lazy, if you will, in our thinking process, we have no, we cannot speak such words. So, in this sense, the, the Bhakti Nautakur says something similar regarding this idea of anadi karma. He said, the truth, the truth about this topic will be revealed in, in trance, in meditation. Like saying, like implying, you can read Tata Sundarba, you can read the books, you can hear Swami Padmanabha speaking today, <laughs> but, but eventually the full insight will come by grace, will come by some, from some plane which is above your own personal capacity, especially regarding these things that go really beyond your, your mind. I mean, anadi, no beginning. You try to think for 30 seconds about something that has no beginning with your empirical capacity and smoke starts to appear here over and over again because it exhausts no? that capacity. It shows this is not the proper tool to approach that. I mean, try to use it but till smoke appears, no? <laughs> when smoke starts to appear, <laughs> that's confirming. No? You need re- revelation is required. No? Take your japamela and, and, and pray intensely. <laughs> so, no? so that's one sense. No, I mean, anadi karma is something that yes, and, and that's why our acharyas over and over again have tried to present such a topic. Uh, in, in, in a more empirical way, and for doing that, they they try they had to speak about something else at one point, because there, there's no point of spirit in speaking about anadi karma and being totally empiric about that. And they were speaking to an empirical audience, no Western people, thinking intellectuals. No? In the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, what to speak after that? Even Prabhupada, Shilasthita Maharaj. So they have to speak to the empirical side of many, a big part of the audience. So in order to present that in empirical terms, they have to twist some points of the real uh, siddhanta about that topic in particular. But strictly speaking, the conclusion about anadi karma is way above, above our head. So we receive certain siddhanta that makes sense. Hmm? We think about that. And the rest is try to expose yourself to revelation. That's the most interesting experience. Because pratyaksha means direct sense experience. And some people may say, that's the all in all. I don't want to accept any, like, uh, whatever, subjective, uh, fantastic idea of revelation. I want to... But again... You can use your pratyaksha, your sensory capacity, in the context of revelation to apply yourself in that perimeter and see which is the result. And the result is very interesting as, as you were reading the Bhagavad Gita verse, the one who rejects revelation and simply acts in a whimsical way. Whimsical way means in this case, uh, like, not humble enough. <laughs> not humble enough to recognize there are some things that are wave above my head. That means to be whimsical. No? Like, everything exists on my level of understanding and I will just capture everything. That's, you're just being whimsical at that point. So, accepting Shastra implies accepting there is something, someone above me. And when you apply yourself in that context, Siddhim, Shukam, Param, Gatim, says Krishna. Happiness comes, uh, perfection comes, the ultimate goal comes. When you reject Shastra, when you reject revelation as a whole, by Shastra we also include revelation ideas like Sadhu, Parampara, Guru. When you reject that and try just to hmm, approach reality with whatever remains, <laughs> well, something may remain, but not happiness, not perfection, and not supreme goal of life. No? So if you really want to capture that, for that we need revelation, because it's a world above our head. And we only will understand, as, as, as Guru Maharaj says, Srimad Bhagavatam, which is our main book, that book was written in, sama, in Samadhi, hmm? Samadhi Bhasha. So, how you will understand a book written in trance, in Samadhi? You have to enter into Samadhi. 
if you read, and, and Bhagavatam is not something to just be read, but to enter and be uh, inhabit. We have to live in the pages of the book. So, if that was expressed in Samadhi, well, Samadhi will be required for us to have access there. And Samadhi is way beyond our empirical <laughs> no, limited capacities. But we can bring our empiricism, we can bring our intellectuality, as Krishna Das Kavira says in Chaitanya Charitamrita, bring all those things to the feet of Mahaprabhu and, and, and find how all those tendencies become fully satisfied but at the same time fully defeated by something higher than that. So we need to expose ourselves to those experiences where our empiricism becomes satisfied in one sense but at the same time defeated by something superior. That's the experience we, we should have in the face of revelation. You hear, you hear about revelation and you will conclude, oh, I, for, for my own capacity I, I would have never reached that conclusion. But now that I'm hearing that, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> That's the result of being in, in contact with revelation. You hear that, it makes perfect sense. But I have never thought about that for myself. <laughs> so I required something else. The Avaroha Panta, as it is called. The descending uh, process, descending current. So that's first, no, regarding this idea. And what was that thing you were mentioning at the end of the, of, of the presentation? Something else was mentioned there. Sorry? Yeah. Ah, yeah, Jogamaya, Rajabas is coming to this world, yeah, yeah, okay. And, well, regarding that, again, way above our head, (laughs) but... Yes, sometimes, like joking, I say to the devotees, actually to have free will means to choose under which type of illusion we want to be. No? <laughs> no? I mean, you have Mahamaya or Yoga Maya, so that's your choice. Some illusion will be always there. <laughs> but we know which is the, the result of one illusion and the other illusion. And one illusion represents the topmost reality, actually. The yoga maya experience. But yes, in one sense we may say that free will means, well, you choose this illusion, this illusion, this maya, or this maya. (laughs) Basically, general terms. And uh, regarding what you mentioned about the the associates of Krishna in Braj, well, this is nicely depicted by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his Raghavatma Chandrika about how this ingredients of Aishwarya and Madhurya uh, express each other in the, in, the, in, the, in the context of the Lila. Because we may be accustomed to hear, okay, Aishwarya corresponds to, to uh, places like Vaikuntha, if you will, no? and there is full Aishwarya there, and we, as, as, as higher we go, no? if we go to Dwarka, it is said, Rupa Goswami says, in Dwarka you, have, you find a bigger predomination of Aishwarya and some Madhurya there. If you enter Mathura, you find bigger predominance of Madhurya, but some Aishwarya there. And if you go to Vrindavan, you find pure Madhurya, pure intimacy, I mean, with Madhurya. No Aishwarya. But actually, strictly speaking, also you start to read the descriptions of Vrindavan and you hear... So the house of Nanda Maharaj was filled with coral, emerald, and precious gems. And you say, wow, this is pretty Aishwari. No, I mean, I, I, I do not hear such description even in Baikuta, no? So that's even more opulent and majestic than any other place. And actually, that's the truth. I mean, try to think about this. The, the soil in Braj is Chintamani, touchstone. How opulent is that? Just the soil. <laughs> no, the trees are kalpa briksha. These are trees. No, you, you just ask something and it's there. The cows are kamadenu. Again, wishful feeling cows. So that's really a, a shvari, No, But even more, 
beyond that, we find that all the inhabitants of such place, they are not asking anything from those in those directions. So that's much more like striking, overwhelming. So the idea is, in Vrindavan we find the topmost Aishwari actually, even more than Vaikuntha. But that Aishwari is totally like, um, how do you say, like buried, buried no? under the, the power of Madhurya, or a particular type of intimacy that does not allow that Aishwarya to to come on the surface. And of course, Aishwarya doesn't mean only uh, precious jewels and precious stones. also means, as you know, Vairagya and Gyan, knowledge and renunciation, all it's a form of um, majesty, opulence, uh, the different opulences that accompany Bhagavan, for example. So, the point is that, as, as you mentioned, as you read, when the, no, you mentioned, when these inhabitants of Braj come into this world, specifically in the context of Gorlila, they exhibit so much knowledge, they exhibit so much renunciation, for example. Again, because that's the necessity here. Asila Maras gives the example that Guru Maharaj always quotes of the states being the most, uh, how do you say, like equipped country regarding uh, arms and missiles and all this stuff, at least 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it was like that. So, but in the daily dynamics, you, you are not finding a parade of tongues and, and like this, because that will disturb the daily interaction, harmonic, harmonious interaction. But if someone declares war, all those things will appear, because they were there. But just, there was no, no necessity of them to be there expressing themselves. So in the same way, with, when that land comes here, there is some necessity of missiles, <laughs> in the form of certain conceptions, and certain ideas, that will act as a missile to destroy our uh, false sense of self and, and so on. So, but in the spiritual world, that's not necessary. You know? To say Krishna is God, not necessary there. Total, total disturbance. <laughs> if you are in, in Golok Vrindavan and someone dares to, to, to pronounce you know, Krishna is God, so be prepared for a big uh, kicking from the Gopas. <laughs> you know? This is, what, this is nicely presented by uh, Sanatana Goswami in Brihad Bhagavatam. He tells you know, once Narad, Narad Muni goes to Krishna in Vrindavan, and Narad Muni has awareness of, of Krishna being Bhagavan. So he says to him, Oh my dear Lord, you have killed so many demons while being in Braj, and, and, and some of them you kill by having only months of age. You know? Some months, Putana, some days, whatever. So my question is, did you find any difficulty at some point in having to deal with all tremendous monsters and like this? And Krishna is like thinks, no, like no, no, no difficulty at all. As we, as we know, no, the Vishnu portion did all the job. He was just enjoying Lila and Rasa with his devotees. But he expressed no, 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 no difficulty, no problem. And, and Nar- Narada. Narada insisted, no, say it. But not any difficulty at all. You, you went to some tough moments. Just some difficulty, please. <laughs> so Krishna, Krishna, well, okay, he wants some difficulty, I will share some difficulty. I have, you see. So he said, well, now that you insist, says Krishna, actually I have to go through some difficulty during those years that even actually I have to make therapy was quite traumatic to go through that he says <laughs> so Nara says what was what, which was the demon some of the demon no no it was actually when people like you came and started to praise me say oh Lord source of all sources Bhagavan and I was just in the midst of my past and you came just to remind me I am God oh that was so difficult so Narad Muni just wanted like to no, disappear. <laughs> he has the ability to appear and disappear, so he disappeared. <laughs> no? So that's a disturbance. No? It's, it's not necessary that knowledge there. It's a disturbance. But here, we need that. We need that knowledge to get out of our disturbances. So it's a very different situation. 
So, so yes, in, in, in this way we, we realize, as, as Guru Mahal sometimes says, one single cowherd girl from that place, so much knowledge she has. No? You were quoting Jiva Goswami. No? Take just Jiva Goswami. No? One little cowherd girl from that village of so-called ordinary people, Satsandarvas, Gopal Shampu, Harinam, Vyakaram, Britam, so on, so on. What if we start to pick some other cowherd girls and you have like, wow, full library there. <laughs> so, so we realize that's there and that's expressing itself in Lila and Vrindavan, but not in the way, I mean, we are, we need that now maybe, no? but knowledge is there, omniscience is there, no? But only for the sake of Lila, no? For example, when in the famous Brahma Gita, with, when, when Srimati Radharani starts to scold Krishna, actually by scolding the bumblebee, no? By taking the bumblebee as some, like, agent of Krishna, different levels of interpretation are there. But at one point, she starts to scold the bumblebee, saying, I know who is your master. He presents himself as very loving, very charming, but actually he's very cruel. In, in his past life, lifetimes, no? previous incarnations, if you will, avatars, no? he cuts the nose of Surpanaka, he cheats Balimara. So Srimati Radhani starts to describe all the previous descents uh, of Krishna. I mean, she knows Krishna is God. But she described that, that in such a way that it only increases her love for Krishna in the context of Madhurya Ras. That's Aishvarya is not you know, like diluting her Madhurya. So that's interestingly how the whenever Aishvarya appears in that Vrindavan, it's only for the sake of nurturing intimacy. As I told you the other time, I think, you know, when after Krishna left Govardhan, some of the elder cowherds asked Nanda Maharaj, there may, I think there's something extraordinary with your, with your son. And no, Nanda Maharaj's answer was always the same. Garga Muni said, Narayan will be doing wonderful things through him. So stop the nonsense, no more speculation. But they insisted, maybe he's God. So you know, Nanda Maharaj said, well, I mean, it's not God, that's a fact. But even if we were to entertain such a speculation, <laughs> he said, if he's God, first of all, he's my son. Second, he's God. God is a secondary, tatarsa lakshan, not sort of lakshan, secondary attribute. So, even if he opens himself to the, to the possibility of Aishwarya, my son is God, he entertains that in such a way that it nurtures his parental love for him. Because even if he's God, first is my son. And, and me as a father, I have to educate him, I have to correct him. So if I have to scold him, to run for him, to tie him, I will do it no matter if he's God. So at the end he becomes... He, he, the end result is his Vatsalya became increased. Huh? So Daishvarya came there to assist, to serve the intimacy and retire. So, very particular land. <laughs> and we need lots of, of proper theology to, to grasp what's going on there and to really enter there in a realistic way, to, to, to walk into that direction. But yes, when they come here, they require all these mi missiles and all this stuff because we, are, we, we don't have the capacity to just... Huh? enter into the flow of Vrindavan, if you will. So the flow of Vrindavan extends itself in a very generous way. This Madhurya and this Aishwarya, this there comes in the form of Odarya. No? So that in, the, in this Odarya, there is Aishwarya, there is Madhurya, <laughs> and there is Odarya. <laughs> and through that Lila we can, no? we have some hope in, 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 in the proper direction. No? So I don't know if I if I answer something about your question. I don't know if Mahara figure out her own questions, <laughs> but oh, oh. okay, okay. Oh, thank you. So we have maybe time for one more if you want. Okay. Yeah, um, we just, uh,
It's necessary. Yes. Yes. Um, this is kind of a practical question. Um, experienced in, you know, the kind of work that I do. I, you know, I, I speak to a lot of devotees from different groups and different gurus, and um, and I know you also do. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I've been, you know, kind of, that I've, I kind of have to manage is when devotees have some misconceptions or they're struggling with something due to um, some some following some detail that they've been told as a principle and. Um, and so how to, you know, to kind of be able to give good advice that's um, practical and based, you know, Shastra could be sound without disturbing their faith in their guru and teacher. Hmm. Wait one minute. <clears throat> So, how to, okay, yeah, that's not an easy task, not, not possible, always, <laughs> no, because also the, the person you are answering to has to have some adhikar to understand the answer, so when you answer someone, you also have to consider their level of how much they can digest. Now how, which is their di- digestive fire, if you will. <laughs> no? Because if they have low like, digestive fire, maybe they just can take some very light drink, but not a piece of bread. <laughs> no? So, and that's why sometimes during class, I, I think also Guru Mahesh also does that, do, do, do that, does that. And you ask people any questions, so when people ask the question, you realize where they are located, which is their standing, which is their adhika. If they are sincere, because you can, of course, make a show of a high question and you are really not there. <laughs> but if you are sincere and you ask something, that will help you to know, oh, okay, you are in that platform, so I can answer in that language. So when dealing with this particular situation that, as you mentioned, sometimes the devotee comes, who is a disciple of some other guru, uh, and there is some detail that you know is not the best, uh, it's not the best, it's, concept, it's not conceptualized in the best way, but at the same time, I mean, you don't want that person to lose faith in his, her guru, but at the same time, there is some misconception that is creating disturbance. So how, I mean, I cannot just press one button and give you the magic formula because it's very, I mean, it's very personal, it's very individual, each particular case. But what I can say is that it's important to, for the one who has to answer or who has to guide the person to take the, the necessary time to get to know the person and finally give the, the proper answer. <laughs> Maybe we will take more time in getting to know the person than the time we will get to give the answer. <laughs> because if not, we may give an, an answer without proper knowing the person and we may create bigger havoc, no? more disturbance. The person came with some disturbance and you send him her back with higher disturbance. <laughs> so that's not the, the idea. No? The idea is to create, to create relief. As you mentioned, also to try to guide the person in a Shastric uh, way. Of course, Shastric way doesn't mean an, uh, un, like technical and like non-flexible thing because common sense has to be there. And sometimes common sense will tell you, oh, I cannot be so Shastric here now. <laughs> no? Like Prabhupada himself, again, saying, we fall from Golok sometimes. I mean, that's not Shastric. <laughs> but also Shastra says you have to apply common sense in certain cases. So that's Shastric also. No? So to not be so Shastric is also Shastric. 
No, what Rupa Goswami mentions in his in his uh, uh, Bhakti Sindhu, he speaks about loka vichar. That's a very important poor point. He established certain siddhantas and points, but he says also we should consider loka vichar. So loka vichar means loka is the world, and vichar is consideration. So general opinion, what the people are thinking about. So when you are about to present a point, a siddhanta to an audience or to a specific person we should also be aware of the of the present current of thought the specifics of the person because yes you may have shared the topmost siddhantic conception but if that is creating havoc in the other person what's the point of that? Maybe for our ego, it, it's okay. I, I, I did my part, I was perfectly sedantic. <laughs> but actually to be perfectly sedantic means not to be indifferent, to be compassionate, to, be, to do empathy to the other person's situation. And sometimes you have to use Appa Siddhanta to take people to proper Siddhanta. That was our Acharya have done many times. Buddha himself, Vyasa in the Mahabharata, so many, as we may call, preaching strategies <laughs> that uh, that are there as, as, a, as, a, as a not as, as a type of cheating. We were speaking about that with Guru Maharaj in Costa Rica recently. That sometimes people doesn't like the, the, the word preaching strategy because the word strategy implies sometimes cheating. Like I want to to make you accept something while you don't know I'm doing that, no. But actually, in this, we were just entertaining the idea of finding some replacement for that word, <laughs> because for some people, strategy means some calculated thing, some interest is there, and I want you to reach that point for my own interest, and that doesn't sound very loving. But we know. The preaching strategies of our acharyas were full of compassion. Not subs- there was not separate agenda there. So what I can say is that, no, basically, each case is an, 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 a different uh, constellation, a different universe. And, and first, take the necessary time to, to know the person, to know the capacity of digesting how much, how much sedantic you can be to them first realize that and that may take time and maybe after that you share the, the, your answer in, in five minutes in ten words <laughs> but that, those will be the, the proper words no? and, and if you don't go through that process you may just exp- speak for hours and just increasing the confusion and the disturbance so yes it's important it's important to be gentle uh, and, and respect the faith of the other person but also, if the faith is fanatical faith, low-kikishrada, materialistic faith, it's important to try to nurture the faith in, 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 in a more progressive direction, but in such a way that the person is not feeling you are... You have... I mean, the, the conclusion will be, really you have to win over the heart of the person. I mean, because if the person doesn't trust you, we cannot advise, give advice to anyone if there is no trust as, as, the, as the proper currency. No? So first of all, trust has to be there. So opening of, of the heart to, to share what's going on, to hear the advice, because if there is no trust there, as Guru Maharaj quotes, suspicion leads to suspension. So first of all, we should you know, like establish a a confidence, not trust-based interaction, and on that level, after that, try to get to know the person, try to reach their level of capacity of digestion, <laughs> and eventually something can be said, whatever, depending the case, and, and that will be the best for each particular case. That's at least what my personal experience have like taught me in, in this and yes sometimes one make make mistakes and one learns from that of course but but I, I think that would be like the most healthy uh, way no, of of approaching the, the, the issue you follow no it's it's general because again I'm not speaking to a particular case no? but I think that's a very important a, a very important healthy like 
foundation of or preface preface before going to the issue at hand, whatever it may be. Sometimes devotees jump over that preface, that introduction, and they want just to go to the conclusion. <laughs> or they want to give the conclusion, because the very word Siddhanta means conclusion. So, if you are about to advise someone, you will think, I will give you Siddhanta, the conclusion. Yeah, but before going to the conclusion, go to the preface, forward, introduction, first chapter, <laughs> no? all the things we are speaking now. And in that point you can reach conclusion in a sustainable way. Jamadagni, Haribo. Jai. Jai. Before later than, than never. No? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes and it takes time, no? And we should be ready for, for that required time because if we are many very impatient and in a rush with all the things, sometimes situations require time, require development and if we if we are if we are willing to take the necessary time to help another person, also I think the other person will feel that's a very nice uh way of us showing our love our concern to the person I'm really taking my time to get to go to the preface for introduction to know you how, and after that I'm answering you so that's a nice test for the one answering and for the one requiring the answer because if the one requiring the answer just throws the situation and says give me the solution and he will say no 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 I need time for getting to know you and the person says no no I don't have time for that Actually, that person doesn't want a solution, doesn't want an answer, doesn't understand what does it mean to solve issues in life. <laughs> so, so and, that, and maybe that's the answer you have to give to that person. <laughs> and hopefully that person learns the teaching and next time is more willing to, to take the time. Sometimes we need a whole lifetime to understand one single answer <laughs> to one single question. <laughs> As Guru Maharaj said, the whole human life is a question. Why? It's a question. So we are still trying to understand the answer to that question. And we are not yet understanding that very much, in my case at least. <laughs> but the one who is answering, or the ones who are answering the question, they are patient, they continue answering, they are just trying to, to, to see our capacity and continue answering the proper dose. They don't kill us of, of, of an overdose of answer, of reply. So, so that's important also, no? Like to, to, to understand ourselves and the ones who come with, for the solution, that sometimes certain answers and solutions will take time. And, and that's a very important teaching because if we are not patient enough for that, we are not understanding the basics of reality, of human life. What to speak of Gaudiya Vaishnavism? <laughs> so life is designed in such a way that we have to be patient. <laughs> be patient means to give value up to, to the meaning of things and to understand that sometimes that patience is the process through which I will really become aware of the value of what's going on in my life now. And if I want things very quickly solved, I want find a very deep insight and, and, and conclusion and I, and I will continue with my life in a very superficial value level no? so sometimes Krishna makes the arrangement for that and Guru or the ones who, who act as Siksha Gurus and advisors should also teach the people there are no cheap answers no? <laughs> if we want cheap answers this is not the place for that Actually, you came to the wrong place no? but hopefully you stay with us <laughs> no? and, and understand the value of deep answers deep questions and the necessary time they may require one lifetime, two lifetimes we are not in a rush no problem the process is the process of God is itself beautiful so why do you want to rush somewhere else? I mean, if the process itself is nice, it's joyful, I mean, there's nowhere to go. We are already there. It's just a matter of time to mature some remaining stuff there. But we, we are not wanting to escape to somewhere else. We are there already. 
Well, some ideas. <laughs> Hopefully that, that contributes to the community service there. <laughs> there. There is always a lot of work to do in that direction. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In some weeks I will show you how it was my experience with New York community. Yeah, we will see you very soon and we continue developing till we as Gorma say, till we reach the perfect community Golok Brindala. So there we go. Thank you very much. Chila Gurudev, Patita Pavan Ki Shiman Mahaprabhu Ki Shri Hari Nam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Pramananda Ki Jai.